0: Yes, I've been thinking for some time that we might study another book and we'll make a start on Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy opens at a very exciting and specific time in the life of the children of Israel. They were just about to enter the promised land. Moses, their great and glorious leader, was soon to depart from this life. For 40 years they had wandered to and fro through the desert. Moses gathered all the people together at Horeb and gave an accurate and interesting review of their journeyings from Egypt until now they were on the verge of entering into the promised land, the promises that God had for them. He reviewed the laws of God and, with a de- detailed explanation of some of those laws. They were very excited obviously because they knew they were going to enter at last into the land which God had promised them. And I was reminded that someday we will finish our journey as we go through this earthly wilderness And it's good for us to to stop now and again and to take stock of all the ways in which God has led us and guided us and protected us as we go through this wilderness. A wonderful future lay before the children of Israel. They were entering into this land which was flowing with milk and honey. How excited and thrilling it must have been, the anticipation of the promised land. And you know, we too have a glorious future, a blessed hope the Bible talks about. And at any time, we could enter into the glorious promises of God. Our Lord is coming to take us to be with himself, and are we excited at that prospect? The old hymn, I wrote it out here, it may be at morn when the day is awaking, when sunlight through darkness and shadow is breaking, that Jesus will come in the fullness of glory to to receive from the world his own. It may be at midnight. It may be at twilight. It may be, perchance, that the blackness of midnight will burst into light in the blaze of his glory when Jesus receives his own. O joy, O delight, to go without dying. No sickness, no sadness, no dread, and no crying. Cause up with the clouds, with our Lord into glory, when Jesus receives his own. O Lord Jesus, how long? How long ere we shout the glad song? Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a lovely hymn, that. I haven't sung it for years. The title of the book, Deuteronomy, I'll just read what it says in this particular Bible I have here. Deuteronomy is a transliteration from a Greek word which means second law. This title for the book is deprived from the incorrect translation of Deuteronomy 17, 18 in the Septuagint. That's the ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Hebrew text is properly translated in the King James Version, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book. Deuteronomy is not a second law, but merely a repetition and expansion of the laws contained in the first books of the Pentateuch. The Hebrew title, the first words of the text here in verse 1, these are the words. That's what it means in the Hebrew. There are three divisions of the book probably might be helpful. The first ending at uh, chapter 4, verse 43, is a resume of Israel's history. The second from chapter 4, 44, right through to chapter 30, verse 20, uh, is an explanation and expansion of the laws previously given to Israel. And that's what we were saying. Uh, just at the start there. And then the, the last chapters are mainly prophetic, though somebody else probably wrote chapter 24 because Moses died in chapter 24, so obviously he didn't write chapter 24. It might have been Joshua or Eliezer, the high priest, but that is of no great concern. Moses is the writer of the book of Deuteronomy gives a record of what he spoke to Israel in this book. How long he, he spoke for is, is not given, but it must have taken quite a while for him to get through the whole book of Deuteronomy. It's not addressed, some of these books uh, previously were addressed mainly to the priests or to the priestly th- as Leviticus and bits of numbers, but this is addressed to all the people. The whole of Israel were gathered to hear Moses speak. He was giving an account of all that had happened. And it reminded us that we, each one, will someday have to give an account, a review of our lives to God. Romans 14 verse 12 it says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore each is responsible to take to heart The truth God gives in his word for our welfare in our earthly journey and our life down here on earth. You know, people say, oh, well, Deuteronomy is just a repetition of what God has already said in the other books. God, however, never repeats scripture without good reason. It is necessary to remind ourselves afresh of the goodness and the kindness of God our Father. Somebody has said, history repeats itself. Why? Because nobody listens. And God is repeating here and reminding them again of the laws which he has given in Leviticus and elsewhere. We have to be reminded afresh of the kindness and goodness of God. In Joel 2.13 it says, rend your hearts and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And so, as they journeyed through the desert, their journey was one of faith in God. As we no doubt will see as we go through the the, the book of Deuteronomy, we'll see that they, they had to live totally dependent upon God. See, Moses was a great leader, but he was a man of faith. Hebrews 11, verses 23 to 25, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. We live by faith. What happens around us is of no concern to us if we're living by faith in God. By faith Moses, when he has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He was quite prepared to throw all that up in order to suffer affliction with the people of God, to stand alongside the people of God in their affliction. His whole life from his childhood had been one where faith in God the God of Israel had been exercised by his parents and by him and by his family. Uh, And I was struck by this as I was looking at these notes and thinking about Deuteronomy. Are we living by faith? You know, we get it into our heads, don't we, that those people who live by faith are missionaries usually the William Careys and the George Mullers and people like that they're the ones who live by faith those who do not seem to have any financial support visible financial they're living by faith we talk about but that is not what scripture teaches yes certainly they're living by faith in a very special way but who does it say walk by faith the Bible says the just shall live by faith the man who is in right standing with God, the just, the righteous, those who live by and through faith totally in God. The man who is declared righteous by God, he is the one who should constantly live by faith. We should all live by faith, not just the missionaries, not just for our material needs, but for Dependent upon God for all our spiritual, natural, and, of course, our eternal future. You know, we've said this before. Just as the Israelites in the desert could not, they couldn't move off. They couldn't stop. They couldn't eat. They couldn't drink. They were dependent for their clothing, for their shoes, for their safety, for their health. They were totally dependent upon God. They had to live by faith because there was nothing in that wilderness which was of any help to the Israelites. And that's the way we should behave. That's the way we should act day by day. Am I totally dependent upon God? Oh, I, you may say to somebody, Yes, I live by faith. But does my lifestyle. And the way I act and the way I behave show that I am living totally dependent upon God. I have a problem. Where is my first port of call? Do I share it first of all with my fellow believer? Or do I share it with my heavenly father? That's the crunch, isn't it? Peter could say, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Paul writing in in Corinthians, uh, in the Amplified Version, he says, My language and my message were not set forth in persuasive, enticing, and plausible words of wisdom but they were in demonstration of the power of God. And then he goes on to say, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, in human psychology, but in the power of God. We have everything within Scripture for our way of life. We have no need for human philosophy. A couple of verses. It's worth turning to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. And verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departed from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Verse six in the Amplified says, "For he shall be like a shrub or a person naked and destitute in the desert, and he shall not see any good come, but shall dwell in the parched places in the wilderness." in an uninhabited salt land. Why? Cursed is the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. And he's going to have a pretty miserable life. He's going to be like somebody naked and destitute in the desert with the winds and the sun beating down on top of him. He's going to be like someone who is dwelling in a place which is parched and in a land which has been ruined by salt. Nothing will grow. There will be no fruit. He'll be miserable. Why? Because he puts his trust in man. And so often we have found that this to be true when we stop depending upon God and turn to man for help. look on, carry on the next few verses there what about the man and those who turn to God alone blessed is that man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when he comes The other man couldn't see when good came along, but this man will be unaware of the heat. It won't affect him because he has his roots well down into trusting God. He is evergreen. Her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit here's what the amplified says for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and shall not see and fear when heat comes but its leaves shall be green it shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of drought nor shall it cease yielding fruit if we want to produce the fruit of the holy spirit in our lives then we have to live a life which is completely dependent upon God and not on man. we said it before, do you want to be evergreen? Or do you want to be deciduous? Do you want to continue having fruit? Or do you want to be dried up and withered? Why? Why, oh why, do we never learn? Why do we put our trust in man. And so they had come through this wilderness journey for 40 years. They had completed that journey and now it was time for Moses to give a review. Jesus is coming for us soon we believe. Jesus is coming the promise is true. Who are the chosen, the faithful, the few? Waiting and watching, prepared for review. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming, is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Shout the glad tidings or mountain and plain. Jesus is coming again. Am I ready? Am I ready for the review? Because we will have someday to give a review, an account of ourselves to God. It's really quite serious, isn't it? Well, we we turn now to the the just few, first few verses of this chapter of Deuteronomy. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel, on this side Jordan. In the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazareth and Dizahab, there are eleven days' journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. It's a very important verse, that's interesting, we'll see it in a minute. And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. If you go uh, back through Scripture, in Numbers 32, Israel is seen... To remain in the area east of Jordan long enough for the two and a half tribes to to build cities. You may remember that there were two tribes and a half a tribe. Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Sadly had no desire to go into the promised land. So they stayed on the far side of Jordan. And the rest of the children of Israel stayed there until they built cities, because the warriors from those tribes had agreed to accompany the rest of Israel when they went across the Jordan. Now, here we have Moses, who at one time pleaded with God that he couldn't speak, and God sent Aaron along with him when he met Pharaoh, and challenged him to... Let the children of Israel go and worship God in the wilderness. And now is reciting Deuteronomy. at the end that when Moses died, he had all his natural abilities still. His eyes hadn't got any dimmer and he was still a very powerful man. In verse 2, we come to a very sad fact. There are 11 days journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir, onto Kadesh Barnea. They had arrived previously at this spot. And from there from Horeb to the promised land if they'd got up and gone they would have taken 11 days to get to the promised land. How long had it taken them to get? By 40 years. 40 years. We may wonder that the children of Israel stayed 40 days for the return of their spies. They waited. They sent spies into the promised land. They waited for 40 days for these men to come back. They were ready to go into the promised land. God had said, go up and inhabit. They had the assurances of God of their success. They could have had that divine power leading them forward into the promised land. They'd seen God's miracles as they had gone through the desert. They distrusted God's power and God's promise. That's the trouble. They started putting their faith and their trust into man. They had unbelief. It was never God's intention that they should send spies into the promised land. But God permitted it. He allowed it to happen. Sometimes God will permit us to do things. But it might not necessarily be his will in the circumstances. They started putting their confidence in the judgment of men. They found the land. These spies, when they went in, 12 spies went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad. Two were good. What did they see to spy in Canaan? Ten were bad. Two were good. Some saw the giants great and tall. Some saw the fruit in clusters fall. Some saw that God was in it all. Ten were bad. Two were good. Ten saw the difficulties. They turned their eyes away from the promises of God. Two saw God's promises. And realized that this was the land that God had intended for them. The evil spies took their eyes off God and looked at the difficulties. Caleb and Joshua, they encouraged Israel to go forward. Let us go up and conquer it. Let us go up and possess it. That was what... God had told them to do. Difficulties that are in the way of salvation will dwindle and vanish if we put our faith totally in God. All things are possible if they are promised by God. Only if they are promised by God to those who believe. But the trouble is we allow our carnal decisions to be influenced and to influence our daily lives. Unbelief is our main problem in the Christian life. It overlooks the promises of God and the power of God. And it magnifies and makes bigger all the dangers and the problems which surround us, and it fills our hearts with discouragement. We want to pray that God will help us to believe His promises and to trust His Word. If Israel had been obedient to the promises of God, they'd have been in the promised land in eleven days instead of that it took them 40 years and Moses spoke to them just one month one month before the 40 years was complete and now they were back where they started from amazing and this is a lesson in scripture which we all have to learn they had to learn it. You know, we were talking a few weeks ago about Abraham. Abraham had left all his idols, his family idols, and he'd left Ur of the Chaldees, and he'd come, and he had arrived in the land of Canaan, and God had given him wonderful promises that the land on which he was treading and walking would someday be his and would be the descend- for the descendants of his for eternity, for all time. He had wonderful promises. And he he, he set up an altar at a place called Bethel, the house of God. Then there came a difficulty, a famine in the land. He had all these promises. He started looking around. He said, how are we going to exist? He left off trusting God. He took his eyes off God, and he saw the difficulty. He went down into Egypt. He got into serious bother. And before he could proceed any further in his walk with God, he had to come up out of Egypt and he had to get back to Bethel. And it says, Unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, unto the place of the altar. And Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Before he could proceed any further, he had to get back to the place where he had been at the beginning, where he had gone off the rails. And here we have Israel back at Horeb, back to the place where God had placed them at the very start, 40 years previously. And that's a principle we have to learn in our Christian pathway and in our walk with God that we have to always get back to the place where we went astray. The Israelites had had a difficult journey, fought many battles, fought many wars, suffered many hardships, had been chastened by God on many occasions. Why? Because they had not trusted God totally, had not gone up to possess the land, As they had been commanded. God doesn't say, if you feel like it, go up and possess the land. If you're not afraid of the people there, go up and possess. Go up and possess the land. Eleven days turned into forty years. Forty years, long time of no peace. Many difficulties. Many of us today live a life of constant worry constant concern lack of certainty sometimes trusting God for everything and then when troubles come along trusting and putting our trust in man instead of trusting God you know I was thinking about this and it was a bit like the disciples uh, of old after the resurrection Jesus had said, I go before you into Galilee. And so they were to wait there. But soon they started looking around at their situation. And they decided they would go fishing. I go fishing, Peter said. And they failed at that. They were professional fishermen, and yet they failed totally and the very one who had called them to be fishers of men had to tell these men, these earthbound men how to fish and when they got ashore he already had fish ready cooked for them, he didn't need their fish he needed their obedience What a lesson that must have been to Peter and the others when they saw that the Lord already had food for them. As Paul could say, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. According to his riches in glory. The riches of God in glory that's the guarantee that God will supply us all our need but it needs complete trust in him God had wanted his chosen people to be free to be free from the ties of Egypt but they hankered after Egypt they hankered after Egypt we hanker after the world Numbers 11 they said, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks and the onions and the garlic. All those wonderful meals we had back in Egypt. No mention of the taskmasters, no mention of the whips, no mentions of the hard labour. No mention of the bricks without straw. Nothing like that. Nothing. Satan is subtle in his temptations. He plays tricks with our memories. All the good times we had back in Egypt. All those lovely meals. Forgot about the babies being killed. No mention of that. But his ways are the ways of death. And yes, we hanker after Egypt. We're no better than the children of Israel. But now that journey is almost behind them and Moses was about to encourage them with many words in this book of Deuteronomy. Look at verse 3 came to pass in the 40th year in the 11th month and the first day of the month that Moses spoke unto the children of Israel and it doesn't stop there Moses didn't just get up and speak a whole lot of words to the children of Israel no it says he spoke to the children of Israel according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them There was no perceived wisdom of man in this address. These weren't Moses' ideas or his thoughts. What he was going to declare unto these people was all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. So often we hear people speaking and talking about Christianity and speaking in churches and they are giving giving their own ideas we had that talk by the archbishop with john humphreys he didn't speak the word of the lord he gave his own and other uh, human thoughts to the questions that were asked of him he didn't answer them with the word of the lord Moses spake unto the children of Israel according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. And we're going to look in the next few months probably what the word of God through Moses was to the children of Israel. And as we continue through this book, pray that we learn from week to week all that we will have that it will be all that God has given in commandment unto us that's a start